Hello there. I'm crouching beneath a tree, looks like an oak. And I'm in Putnam Common, which is like... Goodness, I think they filmed bits of Braveheart here or something. Or that Gladiator film. Just loads of undulating valleys and mossy little banks. And all the trees are bare and it's really windy. And I'm wandering through the common, just without the dog today actually, which is quite liberating. So I don't have to um, keep an eye out for him and... <laughs> see what mischief he's getting into and if you listen to my last episode um about uh threats and safety and fun you'll you'll know what that can do to the mind but yeah feeling a little bit freer today and i thought i'd share some collected thoughts on grief so this will be a cheery one for you no, honestly it will i think it'll be um yeah you know what you're getting here that's why you subscribe so um yeah here i am crouched beneath the tree and I am wandering round the common, and I've got coffee, but I'm wandering without purpose. I'm actively getting lost, which is something I really enjoy doing. You know, it's a bit like that experience, you know, when you go on holiday on a city break or somewhere new, and you just wander for wandering's sake. It's a bit like that. Like, I'm just kind of gently noticing which paths I go, and, and the features of the landscape, landmarks, and that, so I can orientate myself. But other than that, I've no intention about where I'm going. I'm just walking. And actively getting lost, which is quite a freeing feeling when you compare it to the other kind of lost, which is like, I guess it's that, you know, turning around in the supermarket when you're little and realising your parents aren't there. And you're like, oh God, where am I? Where am I going? What if I, no one's here to save me? What if I've, this is it forever and I have to live in the cornflake aisle, scavenge beneath the counters? This kind of thing. Well, the buzzard's just flying overhead. So yeah, that kind of lost. And the, two, the contrast in the two experiences there, one's kind of like liberating and freeing and exciting and alive and intriguing. The other's kind of panicked and unsafe and you don't want it to be there. And yeah, sad as well. It's really scary, isn't it? Um, and that has to do with grief because as a coach, I'm often working with people who are in a place of kind of, yeah, sadness or shame or anger or other strong reactions to not being where they'd like to be and there's some desired change or some place they'd like to get to in life that isn't there there's others oh, dissatisfaction they're not feeling um fulfilled and a lost is a kind of feeling that does come up it's not necessarily the language people use they use words like maybe stuck or yeah, um, overwhelmed, but yeah, there's a lost quality to it because the direction or the place they've arrived at in life isn't quite where they wanted to be. And that's that kind of supermarket lost. Let's call it that, shall we? Yeah, supermarket lost. And that made me realise now as I've been walking along, as I've been reflecting on grief, um, just uh, having been through some experiences recently of grief and grief being a feature in life not not just for me it's for everyone we, we go through grief but I don't think we label it and notice it as grief quite as often because this experience of people realizing that where they are isn't quite where they want to be they are in effect grieving because you are lamenting the loss of um, a future that hasn't happened or isn't happening and looks like it probably won't happen you know missed opportunities, um, regret, but also looking forward with a kind of like, oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to get there, it's too hard, I don't think I can manage this. All these kind of stories and, and um, negative chatter and obstacles that get in the way that just feel like they're too much, you know, overwhelm. 
you're grieving for a future. You know, we, I think we grieve... I was having a discussion last night. We were sat around three middle-aged people on visiting my friend down here in, uh, in Sussex. And we were just talking about... We, we had a really kind of like... The nature of the conversation has changed. In the past, it was like, who's had kids, who's getting married, kind of like, or, or, you know, hopeful future stuff. And now it's about who's getting ill, who's getting divorced, you know, whose kids are poorly, you know, who's lost parents, that kind of stuff. It's just that phase of life now. And grief came up, and I was reflecting on, on grief there, and we were talking about what it is. And I kind of just, yeah, sometimes you, stuff comes out of your mouth and you go, oh, that's interesting. And, and one of the things that came out of my mouth was I think we grieve for futures that are now not possible, that we'd imagined that were going to happen and are now not going to happen. And we grieve for that. It's a kind of a, um, it's a sadness, a loss of attachment. We're still attached to it emotionally, the outcome that we, you know, where we want to be. But there's no possibility of that happening now. And that's the sadness there, that's the attachment, it's the breaking of that bond, that, that commitment you had to yourself to, to be there, wherever that was. And uh, I, I um, yeah, bring it to life a little bit if this is too abstract. Like, for example, I came out of a long-term relationship coming up to two years ago. And there's, you know, when I was married, I still am married, just, got, just exited from that particular arrangement. But when you commit to that, 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 the marriage, the act of marriage, you assumed that that's it forever. It certainly was for me in my mind. We'd agreed on this future that we were going to spend together and it was going to be in a particular way and it was going to take this particular direction and that was it for life. You know, that was going to be a feature on the landscape of my life forevermore. And of course it wasn't. And the grief there was, I noticed it not being around the memories. You know, the memories are, are great. There's some brilliant times and I'm not grieving and sad about that. Um... The grief at the time when I was in the throes of it was like, ah, oh, oh, that's not going to happen now. You know, I, we, um, there was a, we, we'd got a dog together and I'd had a taste of family life and I didn't realise I needed family life. I was always like, I'm not bothered about kids, I'm not bothered about having a family. And suddenly I had a taste of it for a few months and I was like, oh, I really quite like this, you know, dog family. And then that wasn't possible, that was ended. I remember at my saddest moments, because sort of, being with the dog going, oh, it's just me and the dog. This is sad. You know, I'm sad for the grieving for the dog's future that he's not going to get because he's not going to have his family. You know, grieving for me for not having his family and, and grief that, yeah, that this future didn't unfold the way it did. So that was a, a kind of a, yeah, a grief, um, there. And, but, but, um, like these are profound moments. So when we think of grief, we think of grief being, yeah, big life changing events that are often tragic and sad, you know, loss of a loved one. Um, Losing a job, you know, a business failing, um, relationships ending, this kind of stuff. But there's another kind of like grief, um, which is far more frequent, but we don't call it grief. And it's just like when things don't go your way, you know, when you've had a day, you know, you, in your mind, you imagine how the day is going to go and this, this gonna, is going to turn out this way. And, you know, I'm going to, um, uh, I don't know, um, close and negotiate an agreement at work or something or a meeting or um something going well securing a deal i'm just, why is this his business he's securing a deal i'm talking, I'm talking to sage traders or something what it's been so long since i've been in the workplace what what would be an outcome in the workplace that you would like to have happen maybe completing a particular project there we go well done chris um like um yeah so getting the amount getting you write down your last list of tasks at the start of the day. I'm going to be able to get all this done here and I'll feel really satisfied because I'll be able to tick it all off. 
uh, and I feel really smug about it. And then sure enough, you have phone calls all day that distract you. You wake up feeling groggy and sick, you need a nap. You just don't have the energy, the motivation. You try to do the work, but it's all coming out crap and you're not feeling creative. Like, at the end of the day, you look at your task list and you might have got one or two done on there, but some stuff that you wanted to get done didn't happen and you feel, yeah, dissatisfied with yourself. Maybe there was loads of other stuff that overwhelmed you to the point of just crippling you with, like, you just couldn't get motivated. That that is leaves you feeling a form of grief because things didn't work out the way you thought they would. But we don't label it grief. We call it, yeah, we call it overwhelm. We call it not feeling fulfilled. We call it anger with ourselves. And these are all part of grief. Like, I'm just noticing, yeah, grief is the umbrella, I guess. And underneath the um umbrella, you are crowding with um, sheltering from the rain, with sadness, with anger, with frustration, with with sadness, you know, with moments like happiness as well. You know, if you look forward to the future that you're going to have, that can be kind of a romantic vision that can keep you warm at night and it can make you smile, you know. That's that's part of it as well. It's like an umbrella term, isn't it, grief? For, for um, Myriad feelings, but we just don't call it grief. And I wonder how the world would be different if we called it grief more often and we had, yeah, I guess I have a desire for people to, I mean, this is a lot of what I do now in, in coaching. It seems to have taken this direction, which is helping people have a more, a richer emotional experience of life. Now, that isn't necessarily what people come to me for. Um, it's normally a specific outcome or a specific situation or um, something. But generally speaking, nine times out of ten, in Britain at least, people and engaging with their emotional experience or their emotional experience is causing them some sense of discomfort or pain or panic because um, I guess we have developed ways of coping with these, emo these strong feelings and reactions in a way that isn't yeah, healthy or serving us in a balanced kind of way. It's becoming all-consuming or overwhelming and, and all a bit too much. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of work in building emotional literacy and resilience in there that I think we could all benefit from and a way to navigate strong emotions in, in connection with other people as well, to feel supported and be able to articulate our experience with other people. That is, this is all stuff we're not taught to do at school, you know, we're taught, we're taught kind of, Pythag uh, is it P Pythag Pythagoras? No, trigonometry, yes, that. We're taught trigonometry and algebra, we're not, we're not taught how to navigate our inner world and in the, the realm of the heart. So, yeah, I have a wish for, yeah, I, I um, where am I trying to go with this? Yeah, I have a wish that if we named it grief and we were a bit more open with the fact that we are having grief, as well as all the other emotional experiences, we'd probably be able to navigate the complexity of what it is to be alive as a human being a bit more, in a bit more of a healthy way. And, yeah, um, a lot of the work I do, like I say, is, is expanding the range, I guess, of what it is to be human and to experience this full experience from, you know, I guess at one end you've got the ecstasy and bliss of joy and at the other you've got the depths of profound sadness and loneliness, you know, like just there's a whole fat bit in the middle that we exclude um, and we maybe get stuck in there or the, 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 the spectrum is really narrow and we, we only exist in a very thin slice of it, you know, we, we feel apathy only or frustration or nothing, you know, there's... Um, or just sadness, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that goes on. But yeah, so, um, is an invitation in somewhere? Yeah, to notice it is grief. Like, what does it feel like to call this feeling, this, this feeling you've got where things didn't work out the way you hoped they would as grief? Like, how would that make life different? Or is this just too heavy? 
I expect a lot of the time there's a kind of a fear and a wariness to call any of this grief, you know, because grief is just something, you know, you, you wail at a funeral when the coffin goes through the curtains and that's the end of it. That's the only time, you know, that's why you have these rituals and ceremonies is to experience guilt, uh, guilt, grief, well, guilt as well, I guess, but to experience guilt, it's a public um, permission event at which you can fully experience the feelings of grief but outside of that, not okay, you know? Um, where else Where else are these pockets to experience grief? You know, if you're lucky, you've got an understanding partner who can notice that you're sad and say, you're okay, and you, do you want to talk about this? And we can feel the sadness, the, the remorse, the tears, the anger, the fear, the shame, whatever it is of grief, and allowing ourselves little pockets like that. And if you've got that, man, you're lucky, you know? Um I've not always had that, I would say. Um, I think I came from a background of emotions were there. I think there was, I mean, we all feel emotions, I think, deeply. We just might not be aware that they're there and they can be playing us or running us without our awareness and giving them attention to express them and we can repress, suppress them or even deny that they're there. And I certainly came from a, a, a background where emotions were kind of laughed at, maybe ridiculed, but certainly... Yeah, the default thing was to push them aside and to not to change the subject because they're big and scary and uncomfortable and we don't do that. And I think that probably isn't unique. I fear that a lot of people come from certainly family backgrounds where it's not encouraged to share and express and experience your emotions in a healthy way. And by a healthy way, I just mean, yeah, expressing them. Um, because, and I saw a lovely little meme about this recently on Instagram, There's, is it called, the account was called The Ordinary Sacred, and I think it's about internal family systems, which is this really beautiful practice, I use it, um, and I've po podcasted about it before, it's like this practice of attributing kind of parts within you, like characters within you, this is what appeals to me as an improviser, so these parts of you that... Um, yeah, have a preoccupation, a fixation, and they experience feelings, and you place them in the body, and you talk to them, and you give them, basically, you give them your attention, and you give them, you hear what it is they need, and what they want for you, and you meet them with kindness, and you observe them with kind of curiosity, and impartiality, and yeah, compassion, and when they feel heard and seen, they settle down, these inner parts, you know, the, you might have heard of them, the inner child, the judge, you know, um, yeah, they're just two that come to mind um, <laughs> because they're in me. And um, yeah, you give them your attention, you welcome them and you notice them and you give them kindness and you get them, help them feel witnessed and seen and heard and expressed so that they, you say, yeah, I hear what you're trying to tell me and what you need me to know and thank you and, you know, give them a little cuddle or whatever. And then they quieten down and they stop acting and playing you in an unhealthy way. And yeah, that really works for me. And now I've lost my chain of thought. I can't remember where I was going with this. But yeah, there are there are practices that you can do to um, yeah express that. Oh, that's what's going on. Is the ordinary sacred? Yes. All they want these feelings, grief, is to be treated with kindness and to be acknowledged and to be given attention. You know, like a like a like a child having a big big experience. If you're a parent, you'll know this. Like all they want is soothing. You know, you can't necessarily give them what they want if they're sulking because they can't have an Xbox or whatever and it's bedtime. Like, you can't always give them what they need, but you can give them the attention and the soothing and that they've seen and heard. And that can go a long way towards, yeah, quieting and soothing them so that they relax until the next time they have a tantrum. So, yeah, um, I think it's time 
to part company beneath the oak tree because my hands got cold and people are wondering why I am kind of I'm at the base of the oak tree and I'm kind of leaning looks like I'm cowering inwards because I'm shielding the microphone so you can hear these ramblings that are coming out of my head um, and my heart so this has felt like a nice little um, soft one for you to enjoy right I'm going to pick up the water I left it off here on Putnam Common um, yeah I've just realised I'm looking around for my dog and he's not here oh that's sad but he's having fun with his friend Jasper somewhere so yeah my little doggy lorry um, I've just realised I'm doing the thing parents do when um, they're with their kids all they talk about is the kids and when they're not with the kids all they talk about is not being with their kids because <laughs> that part of your brain is still in parental mode Anyway, I love him. Right, and I love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi there, me again. It's the day after I recorded this, and I don't usually revisit a podcast, but I was left somewhat puzzled by myself about the connection between that quality of... the different qualities of lostness, and not knowing where you're going, and grief. And I've given it some thought. Walking more or less the same area I walked yesterday when I had this. And I think it's a little bit clearer. So maybe you can make the connection yourself. And much case I'd be interested to hear. But here's what I take on it. So there's a kind of a willing lostness. Which was the kind I was describing yesterday. So you're heading into the uncertain, the unknown. You know, new places. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're heading. And it's a kind of, yeah, you've made the choice to get lost. There's agency in it. There's a kind of a welcoming of the not knowing. And there's a huh, exploring, curious, playful, openness to what will unfold. There's no expectation of outcome. And I think expectation is the thing. When I went on my walk yesterday and today, it was like, I'm just going to get lost and see what happens. We'll figure it out. We'll get back eventually sort of vibe to it which I guess there are parallels to in life you know we leave a, a job or do a change in life and we're like oh something will happen something will turn up and it's kind of an adventure and it's kind of fun and it's kind of thrilling as well but there's agency and choice there it's like you've invited this into your life and the other quality of lostness is where we're like we didn't invite this I didn't want this uncertainty I didn't know I don't want this unknown, all this kind of, where am I heading, where am I going? I don't know where I am, I'm lost, I'm disorientated. And the outlook's very different. It's one of a place of, I guess, fear and scarcity. And the uncertainty just creates this kind of tightness and contraction. You start to become, your expectation is, I need to know where I'm going. I need to know what the outcome is. I need to know what the path is that I'm taking here, which is where I was at about half an hour ago, because I got lost and it started to not be of my own choice. And you could say this is a control thing. It's about agency, I think. And you start to feel very different quality of feeling kind of lost. I had an expectation that I needed to get somewhere. I needed to know where the path was that I felt safe on. I needed to be orientated to the landmarks around me. I needed to feel like I was generally heading in the right direction and it felt like a right sort of way to go and the expectation was yeah that I needed to know what was going to happen next I was wedded to the outcome it wasn't about possibility and openness it was about kind of a tight narrow focused tunnel visioned right okay need to get home now because I've got to get my car pick up my dog this kind of thing so yeah the expectation there was was higher there were expectations whereas in the other kind of lostness 
there was no expectation. I think when we have expectations about the way things should be or the way things should unfold, that creates more invitation for grief. And while we've said that grief is okay, that's kind of the, the nature of this little uh, episode, I just thought there was a, an interesting parallel in life there. If we have the expectations for the outcomes, things to be a certain way, any other way than the way they are, that's the conditions for grief. And cue the experiences that I spoke about in this episode. So I think that is the... Uh, the hidden wisdom and the reason why I was sharing my experiences of, yeah, how we relate to our surroundings and direction where we're going. Yeah, it's philosophical, isn't it? I'm noticing I feel kind of a comfort with that because I found somewhere familiar now. I think things are back on track, you know. But when they're not on track, do we choose openness, curiosity? Or do we choose fear and hesitancy? Well, you can have both. It's not either or. A little bit of fear is quite enlivening, isn't it? Fear and anxiety, paper thin, excitement, nerves. Yeah, repeating myself now. That feels like a, a neater bolter of tide, isn't it? Someone shut up now. Thanks for listening. Bye, love you, bye.